Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Darren Pritchett with you. Thanks for joining me on this Wednesday evening. Of course, tomorrow night the NFL draft gets underway. The Chicago Bears have the number one pick. They traded with Carolina, so the Panthers are on the clock. Then it's the Houston Texans, the Arizona Cardinals, and sitting at number four, the Indianapolis Colts after years of bringing in veteran quarterbacks trying to piece it all together. It looks like they're going to have their chance to pick what they hope is a franchise quarterback to lead this football team back to the Super Bowl. And joining us right now is Jake Arthur, deputy editor for the Colts on Fan Nation, a member of the Professional Football Writers of America. And we look forward to getting his thoughts on what the Colts might do tomorrow night. Jake, it's Darren. Good to be with you. How are you today? I am awesome. We are almost there. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) You bet. Always appreciate your time. So the Colts are sitting at number four. There's been a lot of talk that maybe the Houston Texans do not take a quarterback at number two. They wait for number 12. We all know we can't believe anything in the hours leading up to the NFL draft. There's a lot of smoke that goes on. So I'd just like to get your perspective. How much does it affect what the Colts want to do, pending on what Houston does at number two? Oh, yeah. All, all these teams in the top four or five, they all are very dependent on what the team in front of them is going to do. It really starts with Carolina. I think we all know Bryce Young to Carolina is a four-round conclusion. But if they decide otherwise, then it, it drastically changes what Houston could do. Uh, because I, I think two quarterbacks that Houston really likes are Bryce Young and Will Levis. I don't know if they want to take Levis at number two or not. That might be a little rich for them. But, uh, yeah, if, if they decide to stay put and just take, like, a Will Anderson or Tyree Jackson, and then, you know, there's only one team then and in between the Colts ready to pick a quarterback because I feel fairly confident Arizona wants to get out of that pick. Mm-hmm. And whether it's the Colts or another team that, that picks at number three, it's probably going to be a, a quarterback that's taken. Uh, so, yeah, the dream scenario for the Colts is, is probably that only one quarterback goes in front of them, that probably being Bryce Young at, at number one, and then they get to choose between, you know, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, and, and Will Levis. Jake, I read today that Todd McShay of ESPN believes that the Colts may like Will Levis the best of the quarterbacks that might be available for them. What is your reaction to that? I think that's a lot of smoke right now. I, <laughs> okay. I mean, it is line season. And Chris Ballard recently said uh, he kind of, without saying Levis's name, he kind of addressed all the latest quarterback rumors for them, which was all about Levis. And he said, you know, I don't know where that's coming from. And to be honest with you, I, I think Levis makes the most sense as probably like their quarterback four. You know, um, all of these guys have plenty of reason to be taken in the top five. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but, you know, the, their, their move at head coach to get Shane Steichen says that this is, all, this is all about the quarterback moving forward, and it was a big swing. So someone like Anthony Richardson, who has all the ceiling in the world, that makes sense. 
Uh, someone like C.J. Stroud, who, for my money, checks the most boxes of any quarterback in the draft, makes sense. Will Levis is fine. Like, if, if that's what the Colts end up with at four, sure. But he just doesn't really wow you in any certain area as much as the other guys do. Um, his his ceiling is, is kind of that of, like, a more athletic Matthew Stafford, which is great because Stafford has spent a lot of his career being one of the top dozen quarterbacks. But, you know, you look at these other guys and their ceilings, you know, they, they – could make an argument to be a, a top five or six quarterback in the league within a few years. Jake, when Justin Fields got drafted by the Chicago Bears, we heard all about these Ohio State quarterbacks. They never pan out. They're system players at Ohio State. They go to the NFL, and they don't have the success. Now, Fields is still growing as a passing quarterback, electric running the football, but he's still growing as a quarterback. And now you've got C.J. Stroud, another Ohio State quarterback. He played in the same system with Coach Day. I'll say this, Jake. I think he delivers a really good football. I always thought he made great decisions. And my mind changed about Stroud a little bit in the Georgia game. He never ran a whole lot at Ohio State. I just assumed he's not a running quarterback, but against the Bulldogs, he ran more. He was running away from some of those electric defenders for Georgia, so obviously he can bring a little bit more to the running game. I mention all this because Steichen with the Eagles worked with Jalen Hurts, who is a multifaceted quarterback. Doesn't with the way Stroud played against Georgia and, and the way he threw the football throughout his career, doesn't he maybe make a lot of sense along with Richardson as the best fits to what Steichen might want to do? Yeah, absolutely. Anyone with the Colts with a hand in this quarterback decision-making process, anytime we've asked them what they're looking for, accuracy always seems to be the number one thing they say, and that is Stroud's biggest calling card. You know, He described himself at the combine as a ball placement specialist, and when you watch his film, that's exactly right. Yeah. Like, he had great receivers to throw to, but he also threw them open very regularly. And to your point, he does have better athleticism than what we routinely saw at Ohio State. Uh, he actually addressed that at the Combine as well. And he said, you know, maybe it's a regret of his that he didn't kind of let loose with his legs a little more often. But we did see against Georgia that he can't do it. Uh, he, is, he is an athletic quarterback. He didn't he didn't really work out and give any athletic scores during the whole pre-draft process, but um, I, I don't think teams are really concerned about what he can do there. But the concern with Ohio State quarterbacks and why they don't always pan out, at least not these most recent ones, is uh, their system is kind of a predetermined read. Mm-hmm. They don't have to go through a whole lot during a play, not a whole lot of window dressing beforehand. Like They kind of already know where the ball's going. Stroud, I think, is a little further along mentally in his football IQ. Uh, you know, he can identify pre-snap pressure, and he, he can kind of mask some mistakes, but he has spent those last couple of years playing in a scheme that doesn't really have to stress his brain too much. So I, I do think that's something that teams have to keep in mind. Jake Arthur, deputy editor for the Colts on Fan Nation, my guest here on WSBT Radio. From the end of the Florida Gator football season, to where we are today, a day before the NFL draft. What has changed in the evaluation of Anthony Richardson? I don't think he was even mentioned as a first-round possibility early in the process, but now there is even buzz that Carolina was looking him at number one. So what has changed in the evaluation of Richardson? 
Yeah, I, I think people are just willing to bet on traits. Mm. Uh, he tested out athletically as the the most athletic quarterback of all time pre-draft. Uh, he, he received a perfect 10 score, according to, to Raz Football. And, I mean, he's only got the 13 starts in college, which is obviously a concern because you want your quarterback to have started for at least a couple years. Um, but he is further along as a passer when you watch his tape than you would think. Uh, he can do things that it takes some veterans to do. Like he can manipulate defenders and get them out of the path of where he wants to deliver the football. Like there are numerous examples of that. Um, he's able to do the, make these really athletic plays. Like you see a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes making Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's just got that special playmaking ability. And we've really seen like in these last five years that if you want to make it deep, into the postseason in the NFL, a quarterback and one that's able to create out of structure is really important. Unless your name, you know, is like Tom Brady. Um, But uh, just a player who brings a unique skill set is a real difference maker, and that's what Richardson brings. Hypothetical question for you, Jake. As someone that covers this football team, they're sitting at number four. If you want to move up to number three, you're going to have to unload a little draft capital even though it's just moving up one spot we saw the bears do it a few years ago with mitchell trubisky going from three to two if the colts have their eye on one quarterback is it worth not taking any chances and moving up from four to three if arizona would trade with them i think it is worth it if if they have one guy they really want and who they think is a difference maker because i mean that their rankings probably are pretty close with these top four guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they if they feel really strongly about one guy who's got like such dominant traits like a Richardson, then I think you go up and do it because there are other teams interested. And Arizona very much wants to back out of that number three spot. Uh, so if you don't want to risk getting jumped by another team and you want your guy, you got to go get him. And the, the price is not going to be that steep. I know the Colts don't want to give up too much draft capital, but – if all it's going to take is if they can finagle a way to make it a third round, this year's third round pick and like next year's third round pick, I think you do that all day. I think an issue is they probably don't want to give up this year's second round pick, which is 35. Uh, but still, I, I, I think at the quarterback position, it is, it's too important to just sit idly by and let someone you like go. Do you expect when they take a rookie quarterback that they will start the first game of 2023? I think it depends. I don't think they're going to force it, which is why they, they signed Gardner Minshew. Uh, Minshew is obviously not someone you have in your long-term plans sure. and probably not even for a full season. But if he's got to start the first six, you know, four or six games, whatever, that's fine. Uh, someone like Richardson – Honestly, I think his thing is he needs more experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe he doesn't start right away, but I think you develop some sort of package of plays for him. Something like New Orleans has done with Taysom Hill. Or, you know, you just find a way to get these guys involved. Like in a short yardage thing, you just want to get them NFL action. Something like Will Levis may need a little bit of time. Um, But I, I just don't think the Colts feel the pressure to start this guy from day one. Uh, but I would be very, very surprised if they're not starting by the end of the year. 
Interesting. Jake, when you get to free agent frenzy, it seems like the last couple of years, you don't have a whole lot to write about because the Colts haven't dipped their toe too hard into free agency compared to other franchises. We hear Colts fans say that Ballard and Ursay are too conservative in free agency. I think there's been a call to go out and get a free agent wide receiver that can make an impact on this team for a couple of years. When you hear the Colts are too conservative from the fan base, do you think the fans have an argument? Sometimes, yeah. Um, And, you know, from the Colts' perspective, they have felt these last several years that they were really close to being a deep playoff contender, and that's why you've seen the moves they've made at quarterback. You know, they've they've taken these last-piece type of moves. You know, they thought – Philip Rivers would be the last piece to get them to a Super Bowl, and then with Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, etc. And after this offseason, after the disaster, that's really been the last year and a half, because mm-hmm. it wasn't just last year. Uh, the wheels fell off at the end of 2021. I think they've taken a look in the mirror and realized they're a lot closer to rebuilding than they are being a serious contender. And for that reason, they're not really – they're just kind of changing the way they fortify the roster through free agency. Um, but in general, I, I do think they've been really reluctant to open up the checkbook in the first week or so. Um, but they have been more apt to do, you know, they've made trades. They, you know, just last year, they, they signed Stefan Gilmore. They traded for Yannick and Gakwe. Uh, they have made some moves, but, in general, I do think they could probably be a little more aggressive in free agency at times. I wasn't going to ask you this, but as you were talking, I felt like, you know, I need to ask the question, how bizarre was it to cover this team and the whole Jeff Saturday sequence, a former player with no professional head coaching experience taking over this franchise? It was real weird. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I've seen some bizarre things covering this team over the last handful of years. And that was by far the weirdest because, I mean, you do this for a little bit and you know how certain people feel about things inside the building, outside the building. And for this, that whole train was really just driven by Jim Irsay. Yeah. And I don't think anyone else in the building would be like, yeah, the, the guy who's only coached high school football <laughs> and is a Ring of Honor member, he would be a great candidate to lead the team. And I understand it was – they they probably didn't really have expectations. It was just kind of a let's see what he can do. But like they had other qualified candidates on the on the in in the building. Like Bubba Ventrone, I'm pretty sure everyone in the building thought either Bubba Ventrone or Gus Bradley or John Fox would have gotten that opportunity. Yeah. Bradley and John Fox have been head coaches. Bubba Ventrone is an up and coming probable head coach someday. And to, to pick a guy that had only coached kids who just came from math class was kind of crazy. <laughs> Jake, Arthur, my guest, two more quick ones for you. Going back to the draft for a second, mm-hmm. the Colts have pick number 35 overall. They have one second-round pick. Do you have a gut feeling, a direction they may go in that spot? Uh, yeah, so this uh, that second round, I, number one, I think they probably want to move back a little bit to garner more picks. Um, but that second round should be really nice with receivers and cornerbacks. Uh, outside of quarterback, uh, the corner, 
is probably their biggest need. Uh, so you're looking at guys like Julius Brantz, Kelly Ringo, um, receiver. There's some. There's going to be some good ones. Jonathan Mingo, a uh, kid out of uh, out of Cincinnati. So there's a lot of directions they could go, but I feel like the most likely is probably either cornerback or wide receiver. Finally, it was bizarre, Jake, to watch you and others write about how inconsistent the Colts' offensive line was last year. So much money invested into that group, including Notre Dame's Quentin Nelson. When Saturday took over, did you see improvement, and what is your feeling about the offensive line going into the upcoming season? Yeah, if there was one area you could say improved after Jeff Saturday arrived, it was the offensive line play. Uh, I think, number one, it was probably a kick in the pants for these guys that this head coach that they loved got fired. And, you know, Jeff Saturday, I mean, for what it's worth, if he was going to be like an offensive line coach or something, he probably would be pretty good at it. Yeah. Uh, but they also made the right lineup changes, which was big. Uh, rookie Bernard Ryman got in there at left tackle, and then Will Fries took over at right guard. They weren't spectacular, but they, they provided stability and they kind of stopped the bleeding for the most part because the offense in general was atrocious and your offense is really never going to get anywhere if you don't have good offensive line play and you have statuesque quarterbacks like Matt Ryan and Nick Foles. And then Sam Ellinger is plenty mobile, but didn't have the experience for that to matter with how bad the offensive line was. Um, so to Saturday's credit, the line did get better, and the same starting five they ended the season with on paper looks in line to go into 2023 as the same starting five, you know, unless they, they draft someone you know in the second round or something. Reminder for Colts fans in our area, you can hear Colts football on our sister station, 96-1 the ton with Matt Taylor on the call. And Jake, for Colts fans in our area that want to read about the Colts, including the draft tomorrow, where can they find you? Oh, yes. So I'm a deputy editor at HorseshoeHuddle.com. Uh, very proud of the work my team has done. Um, we've got one of the best film guys in there. We, we've got a bunch of draft nerds on the, on the staff. Uh, our guy, Andrew Moore, is going to be in Kansas City covering things live from the draft. So definitely head to horseshoehuddle.com. Uh, my partner, Zach Hicks, and I have the Locked on Colts podcast as well, every day, Monday through Friday. So anywhere you see me, there's going to be wall-to-wall Colts <laughs> coverage for the draft. Very good. Horseshoehuddle.com is where you find our guest, Jake Arthur. And, Jake, always a pleasure to talk to you. Enjoy tomorrow night, and hopefully tomorrow night will be the start of Colts fans not having to worry about who the starting quarterback is for about a decade. Yeah, no joke. I think everyone's ready. Uh, Thanks for having me. (laughs) You bet, Jake. Thank you so much. Jake Arthur, Deputy Editor for the Colts on Fan Nation. Check him out there, horseshoehuddle.com. All the coverage on tomorrow night's National Football League Draft. What's going to happen With the Indianapolis Colts, do they have to move up to number three to get the quarterback they want? Could they be in a situation where a quarterback that they were not expecting to fall to them might fall to them? If the Texans don't go with C.J. Stroud or whoever their favorite quarterback is, they wait till number 12 to pick that quarterback, all of a sudden things change. The problem is there might be a line of teams ready to jump up to number three ahead of the Colts, trade with Arizona in order to get their quarterback. And 
We'll see what the Colts do. But if you have a guy that you love and you want and there's a drop-off with the other quarterbacks, even if it's moving up one spot and giving up a few draft picks, whatever it takes, you got to do it. You got to get your guy. Don't settle for, well, we like this guy too. If they want C.J. Stroud, go get him. I think that would be an interesting fit in Steichen's offense in Indianapolis. Levis, you know what the problem is? And this is not fair analysis, but I remember Tim Couch at Kentucky, all the great things said about Couch coming out of Lexington, the number one overall pick of the Browns two decades ago, and not even close to being a first-round pick at the end of the day in his playing career. So I've got this stigma about Kentucky quarterbacks. Then again, there's been a stigma about Ohio State quarterbacks, but maybe Justin Fields is starting to change that. I think Stroud is a guy that can be a difference maker. And if the Colts get him, C.J. Stroud against Trevor Lawrence for the next few years might be very interesting. And who knows, Anthony Richardson might end up with the Tennessee Titans if things work out well for them. We'll see if the AFC South gets a little more interesting. It is 5:51. NFL draft starting tomorrow. Of course, Michael Mayer of the Fighting Irish, the outstanding tight end of Notre Dame, will hear his name called tomorrow. Might be later on in the first round compared to what we expected, but he should hear his name called. Will it be Dalton Kincaid of Utah or Michael Mayer of Notre Dame, the first tight end taken? Many believe it will be Kincaid, some people are trying to compare him to Travis Kelsey, the great tight end of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mayor, more of the safer pick. All right, 5.52 is our time. We'll come back with more Sports Beat in a moment here on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 